You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half-hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, though, my 94th episode, we're going to speak to a good, longtime friend, Steve Wiseman. Steve's an attorney by trade, and focuses on estate planning, probate, and identity theft, but Steve is also a professor, editor, and very accomplished writer. Welcome back to the show, Steve. It's good to be with you. 94 episodes. You're closing in on that 100 pretty rapidly. I know. it's uh, It's been a rocket ship. Uh, what a tremendous learning experience, though. I mean, this is like one of the best gigs you can ever have, and, and you've been a host for a very long time, and I attribute my, uh, my radio chops to you, but what a great way to just collaborate with people. And you know what the best of it is? I learned so much just by, you know, talking to people and having a show get to talk to people. It's great. You know, that, that is one of the best parts of being a talk radio host is actually what you get to uh, learn and, uh, you know, from all these great guests. Yeah. It's like free. I consider it free consulting. So I get all this free, uh, yeah, free consulting, free advisement. I love it. Um, but, uh, but I appreciate you reaching out to me here uh, so quickly and, and bringing this to my attention, you know, the importance and we want to get the word out. So, you know, we scheduled this very special show um, to, to cover the latest cyber extortion, ransomware, virus attack, wanna cry. So um, thank you again and let's just dive right in. So how did this attack occur, Steve? Well, you know, you, you have to go back to a, a, a hacking or a leaking, we're still not sure, at the National Security Agency. Mm. And what happens is the National Security Agency, for security and intelligence purposes, will, during their research, gather what they call zero-day exploits. These are vulnerability in software programs and computers that are previously undiscovered. And therefore, they um, enable someone to take advantage of it for perhaps surveillance, but also for harm as well. You can actually go back in uh, history, the first major time uh, these zero days were used by the intelligence community was a joint uh, enterprise between the United States and Israel uh, that destroyed the then uh, Iranian uh, nuclear pro program. Mm. So these are things that in this instance a number of these uh, zero days were released. They were stolen, then they turned over to a group called Shadow Brokers who didn't do the actual hacking, but released these. And one of them that they released is called Eternal Blue. This is a, a flaw in the Microsoft Windows operating system. And what happened was the hackers who caused this major ransomware attack, they took that and they used that as a base for attaching their ransomware to that to take advantage of uh, getting it onto the, uh, the computers around the world. It should also be noted though, and this is really critical, that uh, all of these sophisticated malware programs that are used, like the ransomware, they have to be downloaded. 
and almost universally the way they are downloaded is through phishing or more sophisticated spear phishing where uh, employees people receive an email and there's a link and they're lured into clicking on that link they click on that link and they download the malware so in this case hundreds of thousands of organizations were hit around the world and uh, many of them were ill-prepared because they had not installed patches for this that Microsoft had already made available. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. I know it's, it's, it's cursory, but, you know, I tell everybody, my companies, my family, if you don't know, if it's not a truly trusted source and you know why that person would be emailing you, do not click on links. I mean, it's, it's a great way to, to keep yourself, A, keep your computer updated at all times, all patches at all times, and you can just set that as an automatic feature for a lot of our systems. Uh, but then certainly don't click on links from people. And also pay attention, like Wells Fargo, whoever your bank is, Bank of America, whomever it is, you know when it's, a, if you look carefully, you can usually see this stuff is unsophisticated a lot of the times when they're trying to fish. It's not the right logo, the spelling off, the URL is, is something's not right with the URL. There's so many ways to tell. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect and it's a perfect system, but you know, you can reduce a lot of that just by paying attention. Would you agree? I, I totally agree. And the, the ones that give me the biggest smiles are the ones with the horrible grammar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so true. Um, so with this WannaCry, who do you think, who's behind this attack? Guys will hack into the computers of people that are unwilling accomplices and unknowing accomplices. They take over their email and they make this part of what they call a botnet. And this is a uh, a network of computers that have been taken over to send out uh, the uh, these kinds of uh, malware through attachments and all. And and you're right. You've got to. You you can't. Trust me, you can't trust anyone. And when it comes to these links, uh, you, you really can't click on them unless you've confirmed. And then one of the things I tell people to confirm, and this is, this is interesting too, uh, is let's say you get something about your credit card. Go to the back of your credit card. There'll be the real 800 number to contact your bank where you can find out if this was legit or not. There are criminals who will get the phone number of like Bank of America and change one digit. So if you are not careful in calling the number, you actually will think you got Bank of America, but instead you're going to get the bad guy. Right. No, nope. good point. So who do you think is really behind this attack? There are a lot of uh, security experts right now who are pointing the finger at uh, North Korea. And North Korea has become particularly active in cyber criminal activities uh, in the last few years. Uh, they have also, interestingly enough, unlike say, Russian governmental uh, cyber attacks or Chinese uh, governmental cyber attacks. North Korea does it for profit. They've got a, uh, a country uh, with a uh, failing economy, and they actually do this as a profit center. They will do they will do international bank robbery. They were behind the $100 million hacking of the uh, Bank of Bangladesh. They are actively attempting to hack into the, uh, the SWIFT system, which is used by uh, international banks. And there are some indications because of similarities that you can find the so-called fingerprints uh, in this particular ransomware, the WannaCry. Uh, that look like it's North Korean, but I, I don't think so. And I don't think so because 
there is a certain lack of sophistication in this particular uh, WannaCry, uh, including the manner in which the Bitcoins uh, that would be paid as ransom would have to be individually verified uh, rather than being done as part of the program. So that's just a, an example where I think, I think it's organized crime. Uh, I don't know where. It could be anywhere in the world. Uh, I definitely think it's not uh, in Russia because Russian hackers are allowed by the Russian government to do whatever they want as long as they do the Russian government bidding and as long as they don't attack uh, Russian uh, institutions. And in this case, Russia was hit a great deal, which also is interesting because you may find that uh, a level of cooperation between uh, Russian cybersecurity and American cybersecurity, which we've never seen, uh, to try and find out who actually is behind this. Hmm. No, excellent, Steve. So I assume this is going to get worse? Oh, yeah. It's going to get much worse. And uh, part of the problem is uh, that this particular ransomware attack pretty much got uh, cut off early when a, uh, a researcher was trying to even measure the attack, went into the code and found that there was a kill switch. <laughs> and the kill switch would be used if a particular uh, company that had been attacked had paid the ransom, so it would stop it against them. But this thing was not set up properly. However, I've already seen four new strains of the uh, WannaCry, and there will be more coming. To make things worse, here's something, uh, Justin, I haven't seen uh, out generally in the media that's kind of interesting. Shadow brokers. Shadow brokers who were the ones that released the sophisticated vulnerability, the flaw in the Windows operating system that was used here, they have just announced that they are going to be selling subscriptions starting June 1st. They will sell to cyber criminals who want it the vulnerabilities that they say they have stolen from the NSA. So uh, we could see a much bigger kind of attack that will happen. And of course, one of the reasons this one was so, so bad was the universality of uh, the Windows operating system. But in addition, particularly uh, in the UK, a lot of the systems there, and particularly in their medical uh, field, use the Windows XP operating system. Now, Windows XP has not been supported for about two years. So they're using one that was already going to be vulnerable. Now, what happened was Microsoft actually, in an unprecedented uh, action over the weekend, actually issued a patch for Windows XP. But you've got a lot of people who were using Windows XP. Uh, they are really, really vulnerable. Uh, you've got others that were using pirated version of Windows. Now, you mentioned having automatic updates of your uh, the programs you use, which I totally agree with, and which I do, and I do it with my Microsoft Windows. If you've got a pirated version of Windows, you are not getting automatic updates, and you're going to be vulnerable. But here's something else that you haven't heard. Uh, there is one particular area of uh, the United States, as far as our economy goes, and finance, that still uses Windows XP to a large degree, and that's our ATM system. And so uh, I predict you're going to see some major attacks against ATMs in the United States within the next six months. Wow, no, that would, uh, that's a little scary, but um, certainly understandable. Why do you think this is the work relatively, uh, of relatively unsophisticated hackers? 
what happened was they did it on a large scale, which was nice. But the large scale was more a creature or a, uh, a factor uh, of the, uh, the eternal blue, the flaw that was found. Because what happened was this eternal blue would, when, it got, when a particular computer got hacked, it would automatically send it out to every other computer on the network. So it made it seem like it was took more effort than perhaps these hackers were aware of. The biggest thing, the biggest problem that I saw, which I showed to me it was unsophisticated, when a uh, they did not have built into the programs for someone to pay the Bitcoin into uh, multiple accounts, which would be more difficult uh, to trace, and then get the, uh, get the key to uh, decrypt it. They, in fact, only used four different Bitcoin accounts. Those are going to be a bit easier to trace. They also are going to have to manually, out of the, how many are, are going to be trying to uh, get the, pay the ransom and get decrypted, they can have to manually deal with each one rather than automatically do it through the programs. So already there's evidence of people who paid the ransom on the first day and still have not been decrypted. And it's not necessarily that the hackers are just bluffing and we're going to uh, not uh, to take the ransom and not decrypt. I think it's a matter of they were not prepared for this kind of a uh, of, of a massive response. So those are a couple of the things that make me think this was uh, this was not the brightest bulbs. Wow, nah, that's fascinating. So what's the role of shadow brokers in this attack and in this development I hear about that's coming June first? Yeah. This is going to be very, very interesting. Shadow brokers did not do the stealing from the National Security Agency, but the materials was turned over to them. They, though, are saying, and we, you know, we have no way of backing it up other than the fact that at least as far as the uh, eternal blue goes, we do know that uh, there have been these zero-day exploits that were stolen uh, from, the, uh, from the NSA. So uh, Shadow Brokers now is in possession of these and is saying on the dark web to criminals, we, if you pay the price, if you pay a subscription, Every month we will release new zero days. So this could be this could be really uh, very wow. very dangerous. Now you go back to uh, the NSA and our intelligence community was aware that this uh, eternal blue, uh, the flaw in the Windows operating system, a, a particularly major flaw, uh, was out there, and they had contacted they being the NSA. Uh, Microsoft. Microsoft had a patch for this mm -hmm. that they put out in March. And so to a certain extent, this is the fault of people who were using outdated Windows systems or didn't bother to update uh, their, their software. And like you say, that's something that is just so essential. There are a lot of strains of ransomware for which they are still getting people to fall for it, even though there are security uh, software programs out there that will protect you. By the way, here's one for your, for your listeners. Yeah. A number of the security software companies got together, along with international law enforcement organizations, and they formed a, uh, a website called No More Ransom, and it's www dot no more ransom dot org and if you have become a victim of ransomware you can go to this site 
which is done by security companies and international law enforcement. And you can put in the information, and if it is one of the uh, ransomware programs that they do have defenses for, they will, free of charge, unencrypt it for you. Now, that won't work at the moment uh, against the uh, WannaCry, but this is something that uh, individuals uh, can use in the future if they do fall uh, a victim. No, thank you. No more ransom.org. I'm actually going to write that down myself. Yeah, check it out, Justin. I think you'll find it interesting. No, fascinating. And for those that may have joined a little late, my guest today is cybersecurity expert Stephen J.J. Wiseman. So shifting a little, you know, shifting our gears, and obviously I, I do a lot on, on the healthcare side, and, and this was certainly um, uh, targeted or, or at least hit the medical industry in the U.K. particularly bad. So why was that? Yeah, part of it in the, the UK, uh, they are uh, very, very much involved with using the, uh, the Windows XP system uh, for a lot of their, their computers. But, you know, it goes beyond that for not just uh, their computers, but the, the vastly growing Internet of Things. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about in the medical world, you're talking about things like which we saw here uh, in the United States, the St. Jude's medical implantable cardiac devices uh, were hackable. There was also another heart monitor uh, that was hackable. And here what you have is you have certain uh, the devices themselves, the security was not built in adequately when they were developed. They also may be uh, connecting uh, to uh, the uh, using the outdated uh, systems as well. Here's one thing that bigger companies should be doing that they're not, and that is whitelisting. You know, you've heard the term blacklisting, and blacklisting and even with software, it prevents certain programs from being downloaded. That's great. But what about when you get the zero day, one that you don't have a defense for? Well, with whitelisting, this is a type of analytic software that will not allow anything to be downloaded unless it's on an approved list. So even if you're uh, backing up your devices, even if you're training your employees not to click on links, uh, even if you're using the latest security software, there can be instances where the, uh, the bad guys can get through these defenses. But if you've got the whitelisting software, they won't be able to implant it. And, you know, the medical industry has always been a big target both because they share so much uh, information and there's a lot of personal information that can be uh, used by cyber criminals. So they're always going to be a target uh, and uh, their, their very strength of being able to share information can be a weakness, which is because you've got a lot of people involved. So uh, in that industry, as in so many, they've got to have the, uh, the proper analytics, they've got to have the proper training, and the security has to be a, a whole, whole way of life. Yeah, and the last time you were on the show, a couple months ago, you talked about just the value, the sheer value of medical information over, say, financial information. So, you know, that alone, you can see it being a big target. But so let's still walk over to best practices or at least lessons. Um, you know, we can be learning about the Internet of Thing vulnerabilities and, and particularly in the medical field. 
Yeah, you know, in the medical field, it, I mean, it, it's absolutely terrific what can be done now uh, with the Internet of Things. And the idea of, you know, MRIs and, and CAT scanners linked to computer systems, um, it's wonderful. It's terrific. But terrific is also the adverbial form of terrifying. So what we have to recognize is anything that is connected to a computer is subject to being hacked. And so we have to take the, uh, the basic uh, steps of we need to do more encryption. We need to keep our systems up to date. We need to keep uh, the security software. Uh, we've got to have that down. We've got to use whitelisting. We've got to train employees. There's all kinds, you know, the, the technology has been part of the problem. The technology is a big part of the solution, too. And so it takes a commitment. It takes dollars. This is one of the arguments uh, in the UK. They were talking about they, uh, they had decreases in spending. They chose not to spend it on updating their computer systems. And in retrospect, they're finding it's going to cost them. So uh, hopefully we're doing a better job here. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, you bring up some very good points because the Internet of Things is, in many cases, the future of healthcare. I mean, we are shifting. It's where I spend a lot of my time. We're shifting not just here in America, but obviously, as you, as you mentioned, globally towards the Internet of Things. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously, security needs to be front and center at all times. I mean, that's just getting proven um, every single day. So I, I guess you, you listed a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, is there anything else that individuals, companies, and medical care providers can be doing to protect themselves during this? Yeah, you know they they certainly want to they certainly want to back them uh, back up data automatically. You want to also consider segmentation. You know hmm. who has to have uh, access to all of the data. So you may want to segment things. You also may want to use more dual factor authentication for people to be able to access uh, certain. Uh, data sources or information. So you've got to plan for Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. But we do have various security software, dual factor authentication. Uh, we do have a great analytics uh, and defenses to be used. And it, it takes a commitment. You know, it, and here again, it's uh, companies are going to start being punished if they're not doing this. You know, the, uh, there was a, a hotel chain uh, that uh, was a victim of multiple data breaches, and the FTC took action against them, saying, uh, you are harming consumers, and uh, the, the hotel chain challenged that, saying, well, you don't have the authority to bring an action against us. The court supported them. The hotel chain uh, caved. But we are seeing, as companies like Yahoo have been showing lack security, the uh, it's going to affect mergers and acquisitions, as we saw with uh, AT and T. It's it's hitting companies at bottom line. They've got to make this a more prominent uh, motivation for them. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And obviously, uh, as you said, you know, even even predict it could get worse. You know, in June and certainly this summer. Um, as this starts to get out there more into the market, people kind of tap into ways to um, to victimize people. Obviously, the money is a lot of opportunity there for them on the financial side. So, so they're going at it. So, spend just a second there. Um, the value. Why? Why do they do this? Why is this? Certainly, in the medical field. You know, tell us. Tell us just a couple minutes about the or a minute about the value of this information. Some people understand. Okay. Yeah. You, you get it. There's a couple of areas. 
ransomware is one of the uh, the highest growing of the uh, the malware and uh, cyber attacks because it's the simplest. They lock up your data. They don't have to do anything. You pay in a couple of days, or they destroy your data. They get paid in bitcoins. It's an effective way of extorting from people. But other uh, instances, and previously, and what's still going on, is as we talked about, particularly uh, in the medical uh, in the medical world, there will be a lot of personal information, including health insurance information, that is ve very valuable on the black market. So there will still be attacks against institutions to gather this information that can be used for medical identity theft. And medical identity theft is potentially fatal because what can happen is someone can steal access to health insurance information. When the person who is then accessing illegally that health insurance, their medical records can get mixed in with the medical records of the victim such that the real victim can even get a wrong blood transfusion. And the HIPAA laws are not quite as strong as they should be in the sense that you can't remove readily the information of the identity thief from the medical record because that violates his uh, privacy rights. So instead, all you can have is a notation in there. So between the ransomware and the value of that information for identity theft purposes, which gets sold on the dark web and the black market, uh, the medical industry is a prime target. Yeah, and, and not even to bring into account the, the cost to our economy. I don't know the, the global oh, yeah. cost, but I know here you're a couple. You're talking about just the when you get into this these fraud aspects, you're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars um, in our in our growing healthcare market of just identity theft of people not even being malicious to the fact that we're trying to you know ransom someone's uh, information or money, but yet I want to steal your information so I can steal your healthcare coverage. That's a significant yeah. aspect to cost in our healthcare system. Oh, it's incredible. And you know, I uh, I teach at Bentley University. One of the teaches, uh, courses I teach is white collar crime. And one of the biggest areas of white collar crime is Medicare fraud. Yeah. It, and uh, there has been a greater effort by the government to go against it, but it is a huge profit center for organized crime in the United States. And it costs we, the taxpayers in the economy, uh, billions of dollars. It does. Well, Steve, we're at time. It's so wonderful to have you back on the show and, and as my guest, and I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Anytime I can talk to you, it's a good day. <laughs> thank you, my friend. And thank you to everyone for listening and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HITAdvisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content will be posted at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.